Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 309 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode is a little different than usual. It's two different interviews. The first interview is with Dexcom's Executive Vice President and Chief Commercial Officer, Rick Doubleday. Rick and I are going to be talking about things that are going on at Dexcom and interoperability. Interoperable, interop into, interoperable. It's a word that you're probably hearing a lot around diabetes lately, but maybe aren't 100% sure how to say. Let's sound it out together. Interoperability. Hmm, that wasn't helpful either. Hold on one second. Okay, hold on. I'm going to play it through my headphones into the microphone. Let's see if this works. Interoperability. The ability of a computer system or software to exchange and make use of information. So why do we care about that around diabetes? Because the information coming from the Dexcom continuous glucose monitor is going to help pump companies to build their own algorithms, right? Like closed loop systems that will make insulin decisions for you. So we're going to talk about that from Dexcom's perspective and then go right into a conversation with Brett Christensen, the chief commercial officer of Insulin. Insulin, of course, is the company that makes the Omnipod and the forthcoming Horizon Automatic Insulin Delivery System, which is going to be the Dexcom G6 or the Dexcom G7 when it comes out, and Omnipod's algorithm and their pump, making insulin decisions for you. This is all very exciting. Here's the one thing you need to know. Rick and I are going to go first. Then it's going to be Brett and I. Brett was calling from Spain. So he's on a cell phone. There's a bit of a gap, right? Like I'd be like, hey, Brett, you're Brett, right? And then he'd say, pause. Yes, I'm Brett. So there's a little pause. It's also a little cell phony and noisy. It's not perfect. I don't love that it's not perfect, but the information's great. So I hope you can, uh, I hope you can just, you know, listen a little extra hard. You'll be all right. You can figure it out. It might not surprise you to know that this episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Omnipod, Dexcom, and touchedbytype1.org. So you can go to dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to find out more about the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. You can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox to get a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod sent to you right now. And Touched by Type 1, of course, is Dancing for Diabetes. They've just changed their name, expanded themselves a bit. They're doing all the great stuff they were doing before, plus a lot more. Touchedbytype1.org. I'm going to get started with Rick from Dexcom right now, but first, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Here comes Rick. Rick? Scott? Hey, how are you? Can you hear me okay? I am good. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, hey, yeah. Scott, can I ask you a quick question? 100%. Did you, um, did you send a story, uh, a letter to Dexcom once upon a time right after Arden was diagnosed about what a difference 7 Plus had made and include her picture? Maybe? I'm not certain. I am not, I am 99% sure that you did because I used Arden's picture in a sale uh, to our national sales team. It was one of the first patient stories I had 
I had received. I started here in 2009. Right. No, I know. That's and it. Um, and it was such an amazing story. Oh, I'm I'm thrilled. I'll have to dig through my emails and find out. You know, that sounds possible. You know, prior to, um, I don't know how to say this, I guess, but prior to companies understanding the impact, I guess, that users had on stuff, and it probably wasn't that you didn't understand. It's probably that you're just a tiny company with, you know, right. not that much ability to, to, to delve into stuff like that. I, I pretty immediately realized how valuable the data was. And, um, we struggled greatly. I tell people this on the podcast all the time, but we struggled greatly with my daughter's A1C, uh, her stability, you know, shooting highs and crashing lows for a number of yep. years, for a number, a number of years, honestly. And then, um, a woman named Lorraine, who was probably, uh, Another person who was kind of out in front of being vocal about diabetes at a time when not a lot of people were online, she just asked me if I, you know, had ever tried this Dexcom thing. And I said, my nurse practitioner just mentioned it to us. It's funny, when I tell the story, I tell it through my nurse practitioner, but the nurse practitioner brought it up. We were thinking about it. Lorraine brought it up, where I asked out loud, and she's the one that comforted me and said, that's a good idea. And now I'm talking to you now. Arden's been eating lunch for the last half an hour. Her blood sugar's 77. Like, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. Her A1C is uh, cemented in the fives. Uh, she does not have um, frequent or, or dangerous lows. Uh, a spike to us is 150. You know, um, the data is, it's insane. It's, uh, it's just what it does. That's it's fantastic. crazy. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I, I can't believe you've been there that long either. Right. Yeah. Um, it'll be 11 years in June. Right. Oh, that's so amazing. I've seen a lot of change. Yeah. Well, I bet. Actually, I'm sorry. Just just to let you know, I started recording before we talked. That's all okay. Is that all right? Absolutely. Oh, cool. Excellent. How old is Arden now? So she's 15 at the moment, and she'll be 16 in July. She was diagnosed when um, she was two. It was literally a couple of weeks after her second birthday. So in August of 20 of 2006. Wow. Yeah. That's really making me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> Dexcom helps you not to, to feel quite as old when you're thinking it through the timeline of the technology, because you guys have just leapt forward so many times in a way that was prior unheard of in the diabetes space, you, you know, yeah. um, I, yep. I, I don't think people will ever appreciate that at some point the Dexcom receiver did not have the ability to share blood sugars to the internet. So you guys built this little cradle so that at least overnight yes. you could slide yep. your, your receiver into the cradle and the cradle would, you know, help people see blood sugar. So at least your kid was down the hall in another room in your bed, you could have these numbers. And I can't imagine how much effort went into making those cradles and putting them into the world. And I don't think it was, was it not even a month before the receiver that had share built into it was okayed by the FDA? It was a little longer than a month, but okay. yes, we had a warehouse with a, quite a few of the share cradles sitting in them after we launched the receiver. I joked with Kevin one time that I imagine that those cradles are, are business card holders on everyone's desks now. 
Um. That's right. <laughs> we, we often thought about maybe that would be a good use. It's funny that you say that, Scott. I still, I still have, you know, those rubber bands that people wear around their wrists. Mm-hmm. Mine is share direct. That was the code name internally for the receiver that allowed people to share their data off the phone and I keep it there because I thought it, I I believe it was such an immense step forward, um, and it was driven based upon feedback from customers what they were looking for. And this was you know our attempt to provide even greater a greater experience for for the users. Yeah, I I found the most impressive part of that story business wise to me was you know I don't know what they all cost you to make them and to develop them, but as soon as there was a better option you guys abandoned it and walked away. Like you didn't foist it on us. Like, all right, we'll use these up. We already paid for them. You know, you were just like, okay, we, we moved faster than we thought we were going to with the FDA. So let's get to the better thing. And yeah, yeah. no, that is, that is absolutely the Dexcom way, you know, it, it, and it's consistent with our sensor technology as we look at, you know, what it takes us to stand up all the manufacturing capability for G6 we're going to have to do the same amount of work because G7 is different and we're going to have to go through all of that, but it's the right thing to do um, for the users. It just is. Is that what's going to, I mean, I think of you guys as the leader in this space based on um, just the quality of the, of the data that the product brings us back and the consistency, consistency that it provides. And honestly, if I'm, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, just, feedback that I see online that um, is, I think, significantly better for Dexcom products than it ends up being for the Libre stuff. But as Libre moves forward, and I'm assuming they're going to try to make their stuff better, how does Dexcom stay in that spot that they're in? Like, how do you hold the lead, I guess? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great question. I think it's, it's everything, Scott, from how do we continue to make the technology better? So faster warm-up times, longer length of time uh, of usage, um, robust, you know, 288 results for the entire length of the sensor. All of those things we know are extremely important to the user, but it's also going to be a customer experience play. And you know, similar to what we did with, with share follow. We understood that that was a really important feature. Then we continued to add to that. We went from five followers to 10 followers. We've totally reskinned it. Um, we're actually in the process right now of implementing um, the ability to message uh, in the follow app. We had the Thanksgiving outage, which we were absolutely not happy about, and we knew we needed to find ways to be able to better communicate when situations happen. So that will be coming soon, the ability to actually communicate and let people know what's going on. So it's, it's technical innovation, it's scale, how do we make the um, tech services or customer support um, process better? How do we provide a greater customer experience? We think that that's really going to be a differentiator uh, as we look to the future. So a couple of things. Um, I'll start with the easier one first. Last night, I got a call from Dexcom because we've placed an order for new sensors. Uh, it's the beginning of, this, of the year. So, you know, there's a, a check that has to be done. 
They got to go back to my insurance company and make sure everything's copacetic before they send this stuff out. Happens every year, completely aware yep. of it. <clears throat> so the phone call is, it's preemptive. It's, it's, it's not, I had to call and wonder. Someone called and said, hey, you know, it's time to order. Do you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah. And then they said, okay. So a couple of days later, this other guy calls back, ends up being last night. And we're talking and he says, we have to do a insurance verification. Um, and did he say verification? He used the word that made it seem scary. And maybe it was verification. Like, like you know, we have to, we have to do an insurance invest. He said investigation. He said, he said insurance investigation. Yep. And I'm, I'm assuming that's what he's been told to say and everything. And at the end of the call, I just said to him, hey, real quick. I said, there's a better word than investigation. And he said, what's that? And I said, it made me feel like scared for a second. And I said, I don't know another way to put it. I'm like, but find another word. And and he's like, thank you. And I could hear him. Like, he's like, I'll, I'll make sure I say that to somebody. He's typing and everything. And I'm yep. like, he's going to tell somebody that, you know? Um, yep. And and I really felt good about it. I think I, I forget my wife came up with the, the right word. Uh, but but she's, because I don't know. It was a weird thing. But I know the process. So when he said insurance yep. investigation, I was just like, oh, I know what's going to happen. But it made me think about, what about somebody who this is their first time reordering, you know? And, right. and maybe they'd be like, oh, what do you mean an investigation? Is that, you know, have we done something wrong like that? And it's just, it's a little thing, but it was met with, you know, it was met with comfort. The guy, he thanked me a couple of times. We started to have a more um, uh, human conversation, if that makes sense. Like it, it, we, you know, he might have uh, off his script a little bit. And I thought this is where things get worked out, like in these little moments, you know? Um, but no, and I think that's, I think that's a great point. And we do, we really do listen to customers and, um, there was, I still, I will still get emails, calls from customers, good and bad when they have an experience. And I think the beauty of it is Scott, we, I learn from each and every one of them, and we do try to implement those kinds of changes. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the, you know, you got to take your own advice, right? Like the, the data that comes back from the CGM is how I continue to make better and better decisions, how all these people do who have it. I mean, it'd be silly for you to ignore that data coming back is valuable. <laughs> you're, right. You're a little, exactly. you, you know, that would just be ironic. Um, when we were talking, we were talking about bettering the G7, um, you know, for the, you know, working on that. And first of all, it made me think somewhere at Dexcom, there's little, uh, wristbands that keep everybody motivated about G7 with some kind of code name on it. I'm wondering what that code name is. Um, but, but the other thing I was thinking is it's, is, and Kevin's mentioned it to me a couple of times, but is price point the next hill to climb? Like, like, and does the disposable nature of the G7, does it begin to address that? I think that there is, price point is absolutely a hill for us to climb. We know that we have to continue to make this technology less expensive to be able to make it affordable for a broader audience. And we are absolutely focused on that, Scott, everything from working with the payers, moving the benefit from a DME to pharmacy to, to ease the access. Um, G7, you know, will not be more expensive than um, G6, and we're continuing to focus on how we can make it less expensive. But there are, there are so many other factors that G7 brings to bear uh, just from 
you know, I'll start with a simplicity from a simplicity standpoint. The fact that it is a fully integrated transmitter and sensor, so there's nothing snapping in, snapping out. You just insert the entire unit. Um, a, a faster warm-up time. We're we're targeting 15 days. So there's just so many different features that we're looking to add. At the same time, understanding we have to continue to be focused on. How do we take cost out of the system? Right. Those features you're talking about, are they mostly, do they mostly happen on the algorithm side? Like I'm assuming you you make, you know, maybe you do and maybe you don't. I I, uh, make changes to like the sensor wire itself and, and the physical technology, but is it more in the, in the algorithm, in, in the way the information's being interpreted? Well, that's part of it. Algorithm is absolutely part of the change. But again, we were talking about how Dexcom is willing to go out and make changes across the board. Mm-hmm. That's what we did with G6. It was a you know a new wire, new um, uh, membrane, and we're going to do the exact same thing with G7 as well. That's cool. That's excellent. I mean, I just think, and- good, please. No, I was going to say, and I wanted to go back, you were talking about um, people wearing little rubber bands to keep themselves motivated around G7. Right. The beauty of that is we don't need the the, the little wristbands. Everybody in, around this place is so excited um, to get G7 to market. You know, it's funny, you, you've mentioned Kevin a few times, and he gets absolutely giddy when he talks about G7. Um, it, it's it is truly going to be um, an amazing product. G6 is amazing. Um, G7 is just another step forward for Dexcom. I'm I'm super excited. Is there timelines yet, or not yet? We're still ta- We are still targeting 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we have to be. We have to be. I know you and I talked earlier, Scott, about you know my time here from 2009 to, to now. And, you know, one of the big differences, our installed base has, has truly grown and we really have to be cognizant now of ensuring that we've got the right amount of product on the shelves and um, all of that before we go into a full blown launch so that we don't get ourselves sideways and, delay launches and things like that. So, you know, we are going to be very, very focused on making sure that this launch is our best ever. Yeah. I I think that under promise over deliver is definitely the way to think about stuff like this. You just, you know, there's no winning. If you say, if you say April and it's May, you've, you're, you failed. If you say March and it's February, you're a genius, you know? So uh, it just, it makes sense. Okay. Spoken like a true commercial person. <laughs> I just, you have to, you just have to, you know, you're going to eventually take this amazing thing and, and lay it on people. There's no reason for them to start with it feeling like some sort of a letdown when it's clearly not that. And that last piece, you know, is, is FDA. So you don't ever know exactly the length of, of, you know, time that's, that effort's going to take. Um, yep. Yeah. That's, it's really cool. So, the reason I, I asked you to come on today, although all this has been really interesting, is that I'm really interested in some of the agreements you just signed um, and talking about, you know, closed loop systems or algorithm based pumping, I guess, whatever you want to call it. Um, I have I firmly believe that that this is 
the way forward for a great number of people. I think that you take any algorithm-based system uh, and put it on somebody who's struggling and they're going to suddenly be doing significantly better. Um, and I think that ends up being, you know, kind of sadly, the larger part of the community. Like the podcast is great, but it talks to people a lot of times who are super motivated to do something. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're talking to people who have a, you know, who have an eight, they want it to be a seven, they have a seven, they want it to be a six, but we don't often get to talk to people who have a 12A1C and don't know what to do. Um, and so I just think that this is going to be such a, a health game changer for such a large segment of people. And you're not, and by that I mean Dexcom, Dexcom's not limiting who in the pump community can use the technology as near as I can tell. Um, so what have you done recently with, um, I guess, Tandem and and their control IQ that's that's on the market now and then Horizon right. from Insulate from Omnipod is coming. Um, I mean, they're saying this year, right? So um, I guess talk a little bit about those agreements first. When you sign like like a commercial agreement with Omnipod, you did it for just the G6 or the G6 and the G7? No, so um, as we as we write these um, what we call commercial agreements, typically starts with a development agreement, Scott. So we sit down and lay out kind of the um, rules of engagement as it relates to how we're going to develop products together. Yeah. And it's really about who owns what in that development process. And um, the same thing with the commercial agreements. So as we write these commercial agreements, it is about how we now go about commercializing these products. So, you know, let's take the insulin agreement for a second. It will be an insulate launch. We are we are there to support where we can. Um, we will, you know, work through uh, various things. From there may be co promotions. There there will be uh, tools to jointly make the announcements, and that's what the commercial agreement is really about. I think what I'm most excited about about these agreements is we're actually getting the products to market that, as you talked about, products that change people's lives are, are truly becoming real. And the Tandem Control IQ was the first product. I can tell you that there are a number of people that work here at Dexcom that, that use that product, one that I work closely with, just talks about what a game changer it has been. Loved Basil IQ, absolutely loved it. But now is seeing the impact on his nighttime highs that he'd never seen before. So um, these products are just like you say. They're they're allowing people um, to to get the benefits with with maybe a little less work, and that's what it's all about. How do we make this this disease easier for people to manage? Yeah. Um, we have always we have always approached it. You know, we started at Dexcom with this philosophy of partnering with everyone because we are about providing choice. And, um, you know, we'll continue to look at that and for the right partners that have the ability to um, commercialize a product the right way, we, you know, we're always open to that as a potential opportunity. And that road goes both ways too. So like when, when, does. Yeah, when yeah. Omnipod also does something similar with, 
I think they're doing something with um, Libre, but not for this current generation. Like they're doing, I think they signed up with them too for like the Libre 2 moving forward. And and that to me, again, you know, I didn't just have you on here to to butter your ass a little bit, but I, it's, you, I'm imagining you could stop them mm-hmm. from doing that if you wanted to. I'm imagining you could get in a room, close the door and go, listen. Omnipod only works with Dexcom. That's what we want. And and they might be in the position where they have to go, okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know the inner workings of it, but I'm just saying that it's all working this harmoniously through these different, um, you know, user bases and, and products. It's, it's very encouraging because things just didn't yep. used to go like that, you know? Right. Yeah, and I think it would be... I, I would tell you, I think it would be disingenuous for us to go and do that. I think that, you know, whether we could or we couldn't, Scott, mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't be the right approach. We went into this with a strategy of offering choice. And, and at the core, we believe that the user should have choice. Yeah. And where, where the rubber meets the road is it's our job to make sure that we have the best product. Today, we're the, you know... I would challenge we're the only real-time continuous glucose monitor out there. Libre is in the market, um, but we're the one that provides a result every five minutes that allows patients to see their number, their trend arrow. You know all of that. I agree, yeah. Uh, and, it's, and it's our job to make sure that we continue to have the best product. And like I said earlier, also the customer experience is going to play such an important role. So customers will have choice. It's our job to make sure that we give them the best choice. Oh, oh, you're doing it for my money. I'll tell you that much. Um, I, and I, I wonder if I can ask a couple of different questions. So how do you handle when you're taking this this thing, right? It's metal and it's plastic and, you know, and you're fashioning it into this amazing device and then you're putting it on a human being, right? So now you're not just bolting it to a board or hanging it from a wall you're putting it into somebody whose body chemistry is different, who their hydration is different. There's so many things individually about us that are different. Um, how How is that fine-tunable? Like for somebody like my daughter who has nothing but success with Dexcom, and then you'll talk to somebody mm-hmm. else who's like, you know, I get my period and it goes wonky. Now it's not mm-hmm. that it's it seems that simple from the outset, but how do you actually talk to that person and get them through understanding things like being hydrated so that the interstitial fluid moves around properly and like like all that stuff that we just you, do you know what I mean? Like, is there a way forward for that that kind of thing? Customer um, education, or I was wondering what you guys do around that, or what you're thinking about for the future. Yeah, no, I think that's one of the things that. Um, one of the things I think Dexcom does extremely well, Scott, is when you look at a lot of companies, you know, you find that the organization is pretty siloed. So R&D would sit off by itself and they would, you know, create the next latest, greatest thing. Marketing is out, worried about promotion. And then you've got tech services, you know, our customer support that's in another silo and they're sitting back and just answering the phone. We're a really integrated organization. So, um, you know, first and foremost, when we are, when we're creating new algorithms and new technology, we do a lot of small trials to really get 
good data to understand how the algorithm's performing, how the sensor's performing. And we have to do that before we ever take it to the FDA, right? But it, it doesn't stop there. Once the product launches and we have the ability to see the data, our R&D and um, marketing and customer support centers are really tied together. They look at the complaints that are coming in and they work together to figure out what is the right educational components to be able to provide to that user on the phone so that um, they have a great experience. There was was an example um, not long ago where I I had gotten an email about somebody having an issue with a sensor and was able to connect them back through um, to our customer support team. And they were able to walk this person through. And it's so funny that you said it. It was really a hydration issue. Yeah. They, were, they were not hydrating as well as they could. So talked about drinking more water. And that really seemed to make a difference for this individual. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the little stuff you don't think of. I, we, we talk on the podcast a lot uh, because the person came on and, and, and made this um, analogy one day. And he was a, an attorney from Canada. And so he said that there are some people who see a man put a pencil in his back pocket and then rob a bank and come to the conclusion that pencils cause bank robbery. And, <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, you put your CGM on, you're drinking, you know, a 10th, the amount of water a human being needs in a day. You don't get a reading back from the sensor and you're like, this CGM doesn't work. Well, right. You know, the CGM's reading fluid in your body and there's no fluid in your body. It's kind of a simple right. thing, right? Uh, and but that's not your brain wouldn't jump to that being the user. It's always the pencil, yep. you, you know. Um, right. It's just it's very it's very interesting. I've had um, some close contact with a friend of my daughter's who has type one recently, and she would make these kind of statements like, "Oh, that's what my Dexcom does," and I was like, "Yeah, that's not really what's happening." Let me try to like help you out here. And we got her blood sugar down and stable and got her hydrated and she's in a better, healthier situation. And now all of a sudden her CGM reports back much more consistently than it had when her blood sugar was frequently over 400 and, you know, and her body was just in a different way now, you know, it's, um, so I guess it's interesting, really, you guys sort of started as a safety company, right? In the beginning, you were just trying to make alarms so that people don't get too high or too low. And then as the, equipment and the algorithm gets better, you become a decision-making company, like, like the help of actually like when insulin goes in. So that now in this time frame, it's more important than ever because now these, you know, the horizon algorithm is going to, is going to look at information from the Dexcom and say, you need insulin or don't need insulin based on this number. I guess that ratchets the game up to a different level, huh? Yeah, I would agree. I think that, um, you know, we started out, and, and I spent um, I spent 10 years at LifeScan before, well, I spent 10 years at LifeScan and then three years at Animus before coming to Dexcom. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I spent time in the um, self-monitoring blood glucose space with uh, OneTouch. And I think the thing for me and really one of the things that brought me to Dexcom was the, the differentiator that this technology provided, you know, a you know this better than I do, Scott, that a, a blood glucose result, a single point in time does not tell you the information that you need. And Dexcom with a real-time continuous glucose monitor 
not only do I see the result, but I see the speed and direction. And I always believe that that was a differentiator, a differentiator from a safety standpoint, but exactly what you're saying, a differentiator as it relates to, you know, how much and when do I put insulin into my body? When do I not? Um, and I'll take it the next, you know, the next step. I truly believe that this technology has so much runway in front of it as it relates to individuals not taking insulin because where else are you going to get a behavior mod tool that truly tells you the impact of the uh, meds that you're taking, that, you know, the therapy that you're on, the impact of exercise, um, the impact of the food that you, that you eat. I think all of those factors, there's just such a runway for this technology in the future. Yeah. It's really exciting. No, I, I agree. I was actually just talking the other day with somebody who was getting physical therapy on my ankle. And it was the guy that was helping me was talking about how in his culture, there's a lot of type two diabetes all of a sudden. And he's talking about the things they eat being, you know, much heavier, more carbs, things like that. Mm -hmm. and, and how his mother is beginning to wear uh, a glucose monitor. She's self-funding a Dexcom because her husband got type two diabetes and she's trying to figure out what foods are impacting her or trying to keep it from happening to her. It's really um, a, a forward thinking idea from a person, but yeah, yeah that, Absolutely. that all exists. It, it really super does. Um, so what is, what's happening right now around Dexcom? Like what mode are you guys in? I mean, I, I know you're supporting G6 and, and, and that stuff, but is there like, what's your day like there? Are you trying to get stuff to Canada? Are you trying to spread out into Europe? Like, like, are, are, does all this happen at once? And how much of that stuff do you have your finger in? <laughs> so my day, let's call it hyperdrive, Scott. Um, yeah, I, uh, so my accountability is global. So yes, all of the things that you just described, we, we've recently, um, let's, let's take a step back. Let's start with the U.S. for a second. We're uh, getting ready to launch um, in probably the beginning of Q2, quarter two, our Dexcom Pro system. So this G6, so this will be a professional device that um, physicians will use. Mm -hmm. And they'll use it for type 1s, type 2s. And it's also the first CGM indicated for people outside of diabetes. And they'll use that within the office. It's both blinded, meaning you can just use it if you're a physician just as a tracker. Patient brings it back. Um, I download the data into Clarity, our software program, and I can make adjustments to therapy. It can also run in an unblinded mode, real time, you know, similar to what Arden uses and um, a little bit more scaled back. But then that patient can interact with their diabetes and um, understand what's going on during that period. Um, so we're, we're really excited about bringing that to market outside the U.S. We've recently launched G6, and the business is going extremely well. Um, we are in G6. We're in you know, G6 in a number of countries outside. We just recently got approval for G6 in Japan and Korea um, and Australia. So the Asia-Pac business is growing. Um, so... We're really excited about not just what's happening in the U.S. where we're having, you know, tremendous growth as 
as more and more people have access to this technology, mm-hmm. but we're also excited about being able to offer it outside the U.S. And we're in 40 plus countries now outside the U.S. Well, I'll, I'll, so let me tell you that the podcast is in every country except for nine at this point. Uh, most of them are right through the center of Africa where the, and uh, North Korea. There's only a couple of places people don't listen. And so I get emails that always start. Scott, hi, I live in Saudi Arabia. I live in New Zealand. Scott, I'm in Australia. Scott, I'm in South Korea. And I want, and it's either a Dexcom or an Omnipod is the next thing they say. How do I do that? And I I'm, I always giggle like when I read it. I'm like, I can't believe they they think I know. But I'm like, okay. So <laughs> so I, I always get to my contact person. I'm like, can I just forward you this email? And, um, and I, I know nothing's, you know, listen, if you don't sell it there, you don't sell it there. But it's always my goal to make sure, not that you don't know, but that you really that you really are aware that there are people, you know, all over the world looking for this stuff. Um, it's so exciting that it's spreading like this. I agree. Yeah. No, it is. It is really exciting. Well, so your day is long and tiring, and uh, and and <laughs> do you? Here's a fair question: How many days end? How many days end with you feeling like good day, moving forward? Do most days go that way or, or like, like what's that feel like? I, I guess I'm trying to bring people a little bit into, you know, like it's easy for us to look from the outside and just say this thing I bought doesn't do what I want it to do. Nobody cares. Yep. Y- you know what I mean? Yep. Like, like, but there's a real person on the other side of the, of the wall and, and they're, they're banging their head on that wall trying to get you that thing, you know? So it, it does most days it do most days at Dexcom feel positive? Like, like you're going in the right direction. Yeah, I, I, it's a great question. Um, yes, the short answer is yes, Scott. I think we are absolutely going in the right direction. I think that one of the things, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back, if you'll give me just a moment here. I'm going to take you back to, um, I was actually at Animus at the time, and I had just started at Animus, and um my boss at the time says, hey, I need you to go to a conference. I was first week on the job. Mm-hmm. I was leading the marketing team. He said, I need you to go to a conference. He said, okay, where am I going? He said, a co- the conference is Children with Diabetes in Orlando, Florida. My response was, you do realize it's July, right? <laughs> and um, he was like, I do, and you're going. So I'm like, okay. And I went. And I walked in and I was handed my animus badge and I was walking down the hallway and this woman who I had never met before, remember I'm three days on the job at animus, turns around, sees my badge and comes running to me, throws her arms around me and starts crying, sobbing, saying, you don't know what a difference you've made in my child's, my child in my life. And Scott, at at LifeScan, it was a great company, and we did provide a tool, but I never understood the impact that the things that we made had on people's lives. And it was at that moment that I decided that, you know what, as long as diabetes would have me, I was going to be focused on diabetes and not leave it. Then I got introduced to Dexcom. My last job was uh, strategic partnerships and my personal relationship alliance 
was Dexcom, and that's where I got to learn the technology, the leadership, and what Dexcom brought was this whole focus on the patient and the end user, which was absolutely what I believed in, and um, it was, um, and then with the technology, it was absolutely what I believed was the game game-changing technology, second only to insulin. So for me, it was an easy choice to join Dexcom. That hasn't left here. So I know it's a really long-winded answer to, yes, most days that I end up, and they're long days, but they're really good days because we're headed in the right direction. I take every one of those, you know, where we have fallen down and not provided what we needed to do, It hurts, but I know that we're working to make sure that that experience in the future is the best possible, and um, that's what keeps me motivated and brings me in here each and every morning. So long answer, hopefully it was, you know, what you were looking for, but yes, I think I think we're absolutely headed in the right direction. The technology that Dexcom offers, in my mind, is second to no one with our real-time glucose monitor. It's what we are focused on. And we're focused on the technology and the patient experience. So I, I couldn't be happier about, you know, the direction we're going. Well, I hope you get to say stay around the space for a really long time so you can see it bear out in decades. Because I interviewed a woman this morning whose, you know, to- toddler was diagnosed, um, a baby even, under two years old. And she found the podcast on day one, which led her right to a Dexcom. And if you could see this kid's graphs, this mother figured out the stuff I'm talking about on here so quickly and so thoroughly. And so, like, as I was speaking to her, I had trouble not wondering, like, how much better this child's life's going to be over decades that might reach beyond my lifetime, even. And right. and and it's just really encouraging. I just... You know, Rick, you don't know me prior to this podcast and diabetes and everything, but I sort of was not a chicken soup for the sole person when this all started. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, now I, I don't know if I am that, but I definitely have a really strong feeling for helping other people that maybe didn't yep. exist in me before. And to hear somebody say something that, that could to an outsider feel small, like I'm able to concentrate while I'm doing my homework now. Or, you know, I thought I did, I thought I was crazy because my blood sugar would jump around and my doctor would always say, you know, you're doing fine, but it didn't feel fine. Those little things, you know, that to a casual observer wouldn't seem like a big deal to me. They fill my heart up. Like a, a woman once said to me, and there's a little bit of a curse in here, but not much. And it just, I think it really shows the, the intensity of it. She said that she thought her daughter was a bitch, And when... She found the podcast and stabilized her blood sugar and got her on the tools that we talk about here. She realized her daughter was a really lovely person whose blood sugar was bouncing all over the place. And I just thought when she said that, imagine if they would have spent their whole life thinking that about each other. And just what, right. what a sad shame that would be. It just goes so far beyond just diabetes, I think, sometimes. No, yeah. I agree. And I think, and, and the fact, you're right what their whole life could have been. But I think what's so exciting about that, that comment, Scott, is what their, what their life will look like in the future. Cause they, the, the flip side, they could have been stuck in that mode for a really long time. Oh no. I, 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 I always come back to a, a single mom that I spoke to once in her late thirties who had had diabetes since her teens. 
and was genuinely living with a 12A1C forever. And then she said, you know, she, we, we spoke privately once and the next day she, her blood sugar was between like 80 and 120. And she had a Dexcom. She had the tools. She just didn't know how to use it. And um, it, it just, there was this moment where she was grateful, but then for a minute she got upset and she said, how come nobody ever told me this? You know, right. like, like, why is that not the standard of explanation and care in this space? And and so the part that fills me with hope is that one day, I just hope that one day people are diagnosed and they're told, hey, this glucose monitor exists. This is how an insulin pump works. Here's how insulin works. Now, you can you can build off of that, but at least you have those building blocks right there to start with instead of the fear and anxiety and, you know, then your blood sugar starts jumping all over the place and you know, you lose, you, you lose your personality. And before you know it, you think it's, it's, it's hopeless. It's just a very slippery, fast slope. Um, you can fall down that hill and, and never climb back up again, but it's just not necessary. So I, I hope one day that it just, I hope one day somebody, the, the, you know, the, the king of diabetes calls me and says, Hey, everybody knows you can, you can stop now. And, you know, and I, 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 I don't know what I would make a podcast about then. <laughs> yeah, I um and I would be right. I um and I've said this before that you know nothing nothing would make me happier, Scott, than a cure for diabetes. Yeah. Um I'll I'll happily go out of a job if we if we can solve this. Um I think in the meantime, you know, your comment about looking to the future and being in this space for time to come. I can't wait for that teenager adult that I meet in the future that when I talk about doing finger sticks has no idea what I'm talking about because they've been using a Dexcom continuous glucose monitor, not having to do finger sticks. And it's ancient technology, like the rotary phone that I grew up with. Um, That that's, that's, you know, the next thing I'm looking forward to. When, when it just feels like you just said to them, hey, did you, you know, did you know people used to have to boil their urine to test their blood sugar? You know, like like that kind right. of stuff. You just just gone, yeah. gone. Hey, listen, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep my contour next one ad off of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've done again. Some, it's not today. No, I'm looking to the future. Yeah, yeah don't don't worry, Essentia. It's going to be a while from now. Um, but no, no. But right. I. But I. Seriously though, I'm. I feel very lucky. You know, I started a podcast hoping to help people. The first month it had uh, a few hundred downloads. Uh, this month it'll have n- downloads. And um, okay. and I was very lucky that it was successful enough that I could pick and choose the ads I took. Because I couldn't, I, I just don't know how I would get on this microphone and talk about stuff that I don't believe in, that I don't see doing, you know, the things that they're doing run by the kinds of people who I get to meet, you, you know, like you. Um, and joking aside, that Contour Next One is the best damn blood sugar meter I've ever used. And so that's mm-hmm. that's why they're the ones on this podcast getting to talk about their meters. Because trust me, they all wanted to be on the podcast. Those are the ones... I chose. Um, and, yep. and Dexcom and Omnipod are right there with that. I just, it, it's just, it's next level stuff. And the people, whether their voice is being recorded or not, um, give me a good feeling. You guys, you know, 
that that's how I feel when I walk away from a conversation with someone like you. Um, I, I, I think I, I really believe you. I believe that if somebody tomorrow walked into your office and said, Hey Rick, I got the, you know, I got the cure to diabetes here. You, you know what, you want to put it in this, in this drawer so we can keep this Dexcom thing going. I think you would say, you know what, we're all going to have to find another job because yep. you've met these people and you know what it, what the disease does to them. So yeah, yep. that's excellent. I, I I really appreciate you coming on. I realize we never said an end time. So as we're talking, I'm like, is, <laughs> is he like, I got to go or, <laughs> um, but I really, I really do, I really do appreciate you coming and doing this. Uh, is there anything? I, I know you probably did. You just get back from Spain. Uh, I was not in Spain. I had uh, team members there. I did just get back from. We were talking about awareness, mm-hmm. and um, which is still a, a such an opportunity for us. So I appreciate what you do, Scott, in helping drive that awareness. But I was had a chance yesterday to meet. Um, Sugar Ray Leonard, and um, he actually has a foundation, the Sugar Ray Leonard Foundation, and he had his father, who just recently passed away, lived to be 94, had type 2 diabetes, so he has a real passion, created this foundation that is connected with Children's Hospital of uh, Los Angeles, and um, is about promoting awareness um, around diabetes. Mm-hmm. And the, I think the thing that was so cool that he said was, you know, this is a guy that fought Marvin Hagler, Duran, Tommy Hearns. And he said, and he was sincere. He said, my toughest, I, the toughest battle I'm going to fight is fighting this diabetes thing because we've just got to find a way to make a difference. So, um, I, I'm, I'm telling you that because I appreciate what you do as well to, to drive the awareness, to let people know that there are solutions out there like Dexcom CGM, um, like Insulet, and um, that others are, are taking up that cause as well. Yeah. So I appreciate what you do. Listen, it's just a reflection of what I see working in my life with my daughter. It honestly is. Like I, it, it, it's you because you work. It, you know what I mean? Like if it was somebody else, It'd be somebody else, but but you guys are the ones doing it right, so it's easy to talk about. I really appreciate it. Um, Great. If I could say goodbye for a second, and would you hold on for just one second? I would. We don't really need much in the way of ads for this episode. Let's just go over it one more time. If you'd like to get started with the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, it would help me if you went to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box to find out more about the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor you want to know about the speed and direction that your blood sugar is going you want to be ready for these great automatic insulin delivery systems that are here and on the way you just want to be healthier you'd like for diabetes to be a smaller part of your life these tools are going to help that dexcom.com forward slash juicebox there's going to be links in your show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com Type it into your browser, but if you can, you know, hit my link. That'd be terrific. I don't get paid by the link. I don't want you to think that. That's not how this works. It just lets the sponsors know that you're coming through the show. Also, the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. Don't wait, right? Don't get it into your head like, I'll wait for Horizon. Just get the Omnipod now. Get going. 
you're going to be an absolute rock star stud with it by the time Horizon gets here, and you'll make an easy transition to Horizon. It's not going to be a problem. And by the way, if you don't want an automated system, you don't have to. Omnipod, they want what you want. In just a moment, you're going to hear from Brett, and he's going to tell you that what Omnipod wants for you to have more than anything is choice. You'll, you'll, you'll see what I mean in a second. The great thing about Omnipod, of course, is that they'll offer you a free, no-obligation demo of the Omnipod right now. You don't have to buy it. You're not locked into anything. You just go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. You fill in a little bit of information. And they'll send a pump right to your house. It's non-functioning. Don't worry. Can't hurt yourself with it. Give yourself insulin or anything like that. But what you can do is wear it. You can live in it and see how you'll enjoy it. One of my favorite things about wearing the demo pod is that you just forget it's there after a little while. Touched by Type 1's mission is to elevate awareness of type 1 diabetes, raise funds to find a cure, and inspire those with diabetes to thrive. They are my absolute favorite Type 1 diabetes charity. They're small, but they're powerful, and they're growing constantly. Check them out. Just go to touchbytype1.org. They're not looking for anything else from you. They just want you to know they're there, and so you can see what they're doing. Touchbytype1.org. And now, let's go to Brett Christensen from Omnipod. Brett, how are you? Scott, good. How are you doing? Good. Where are you at? I'm in Madrid, Spain at ACTD. Oh, okay. All right. How long are you there for? Uh, all week. So I leave Friday morning. Nice. Been here all week, though. It's a great show. You're in Madrid. <clears throat> I'm in New Jersey. Yes. You're using a cell phone, which we don't usually do, but it's a, a big, exciting kind of time. So we're, we're making an exception. All right, so yeah, I appreciate that. So, so you guys had a pretty big um, announcement the other day. I think it's sort of, to me, felt like a, a cementing of something we knew was coming as far as Dexcom. But the Libre thing was a curveball for me. Can you tell me about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I mean, um, I don't know that it should have been a curveball because you know the strategy all along, right, with interoperability is that you allow patients' choice. And so we've been working for a long time with Dexcom, and, and as you know, we'll launch um, Omnipod Horizon with Dexcom G6. We announced this week that, that we're going to work together to quickly add G7, which we know is important to our users. And then the Abbott announcement was, again, um, consistent with interoperability because, you know, w- what we do is uh, we want to provide the best in-home delivery system um, out there, and so we're in the business of of selling pods, right, and, and distributing pods and marketing pods, and so we want to allow patients, our users, sense choice. And so, if for whatever reason they want to use a Dexcom versus Abbott sensor, you know, we we see a product where you know you turn on your your PDM or you access the app from your smartphone, mm-hmm. and there's a drop down box that says select your sensor, and you're able to say Dexcom G6, Dexcom G7. Abbott Libre too. That's the vision. 
we provide that choice to our users. And and that Libre is not the current one that's available. There's one that's coming. That's the one it's going to work with? Yeah, so the Libre 2, that's right. It, it's, it's the one that's coming. Okay. And, and you know, the real rationale for that is, and Abbott said this, that they're working with the FDA to get ICGM certification for Libre 2. As you know, that that designates that CGM as an ICGM. We've already been designated as an ACE pump. And then with Horizon, the pivotal of it right now, we, we intend to make uh, the Horizon algorithm the eye controller. So those are the three components necessary for an AID system. And what it effectively does is it, it's a quicker to-market pathway. So it's, a, it's not a PMA product. It's, it's not really a 510K. It's, it's a... It's a validation that the two companies would be together to make sure that that sensor works um, with Omnipod and with the Horizon algorithm. And it's a real short to market um, timeline. Not to jump around, but does that mean that Tidepool also has to begin over if they want to support the Libre 2? Uh, no, no, because, um, you know, the Tidepool. Um, application is uh, is already being developed with Omnipod and with Dexcom. And so that will just continue. So if they, I guess if they wanted to add Libre 2 to that application, they could do so. But that system is being built with those three components in mind. And so again, Dexcom's G6 is already an ICGM. What they're working on is becoming the iController. And so they're working on that designation with the FDA. Then they'd be able to pair that with Omnipod, the base pump, and those three components would be able to work together in that system. I ha- I understand. Yeah, I I didn't ask my question correctly. That's what I was asking. So perfect. Thank you for clearing that up. So is it fair to say that? Okay. Is it fair to say that when Horizon launches, Dexcom will probably be before Libre two, or do you think Libre two can catch up and? get their designation in time for your launch? No, I, um, no, we're, we're pretty confident. So when, when we launch, because we're in, again, we're in the trial now with Dexcom, with Dexcom G6. So what we anticipate is at launch, which we've said it will be sometime the second half of this calendar year, mm-hmm. uh, the system will be, in the beginning, we'll have phone control on, on certain Android uh, smartphones. It will be just the Dexcom G6 initially and Omnipod with the Horizon algorithm. So that will be the component, on that will be the system on day one. And then we'll look to add G7 and Libre 2 with future developments. That's, that's still technical work that we have to do, right. um, even though the FDA has shortened the, the, the clinical pathway to get there. Gotcha. And so uh, Horizon, so I think this is a, when I'm listening to people talk and ask their questions, and even just for the last two hours, I ask people you know, that, that are following the podcast just on Facebook, like what would you be wondering. Their questions mimic mine a lot, but there were some interesting things I saw pop up where they just don't understand. So, you know, a lot of people said, look, I can't get, I can't seem to get a dash PDM. Is that going to stop me from getting horizon? Which led me to believe that they don't understand that Horizon's going to be phone control, right? You're not going to need a PDM with horizon. Is that correct? It's, it's correct. But one clarification is that we will still distribute a PDM to every user. So even a user that says, look, I want to I want to start off on Horizon using my own smartphone, we'll still ship them a PDM just as a backup device. So that's something we, we told the FDA we would do. Okay. Yeah. So they'll they'll have that, right? So you don't need you don't need phone control 
for Horizon. It will come with a PDM, but anyone that chooses to just have the app on their phone, it can effectively eliminate one component of the system. Okay. So that's the, the beauty of phone controls, and you can do that. But, but those that don't have an Android device, don't want the app, don't want phone control, will have the ability to have a, a Horizon PDM okay. on game one. So Horizon won't run off of iPhone? Not initially. So, and you know, again, that's the, the partnership with Tidepool. The, the one, the one of the real benefits that we get there is that's probably our shortest pathway to have Omnipod control through the iOS uh, Apple system, because the, the Tidepool um, application is built on exclusively iPhone. So it's probably the, the shortest pathway to iPhone. But we have said that we are going to be working on an iOS version of, of Horizon. I see. How are the trials going? Are are they steaming along like you hoped? Are you learning anything from them? Yeah, you know, so we're blinded to the data. So we, we did a pre-pivotal uh, that started in December, went to almost the first of the year for a real small number of patients that we can have this ability to. We'll look to probably um, show those data potentially at ADA. But, you know, from here on out, we're really we're blinded to the data. So we'll get feedback from our investigators if there's any problems or issues. But And then we, we see enrollment. But that's about it. So I, I will say this. Enrollment has been very strong. And if you talk to Dr. Lai, our, our medical director, she'll tell you that many investigators said they had people willing to fly from Texas to the Pacific Northwest to be in the trial. I, it, there was that much demand. So we won't have any problem filling the enrollment for the trial. We know that much, but we don't see the, the clinical results. And frankly, we won't until the, the end of the trial. Okay. And so the, you won't, you don't get to see those results until the FDA comes back with a report for you about how they found the trial to be. Yeah, that's right. We'll, we'll see it once, once it's complete and the data's locked and, and the results are in. That's when we see it. We do get, you know, anecdotal stories, right? We'll, we'll have investigators to tell us how Horizon has changed one of their patients' lives. There's, there's a story of a, of a young uh, patient that, um, you know, had problems really you know, wet in the bed because um, the, 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 the out of range, you know, the, just that they, they couldn't keep the right, the right level and um, that went away. Yeah. With, with you know, almost immediately with with Horizon, so there's some really cool patient stories how it's changed people's lives. Parents that aren't sleeping with their kids, a lot of that. But again, we don't see any of the time and range or any of the real clinical results that won't tell their completion of the trial. Do you do you see Horizon as being for people who are really struggling only, or do you, or will it be able to be used by I don't know what to call it, like a super user, somebody who's got a a six and a half A1C and just really wants it to be a five and a half. Do you think that it has applications for, for both kinds of people? Yeah, I do. I actually, I think it's for everybody and, and you'll see that in the way we built it. So it's flexible enough that you can still be a super user and really fine tune your time in the range. You know, it'll have set points from 110 to 150. Uh, but I, but just the way it works, if you think about, you know, the, the beauty of CGM is it gives users really powerful information they can act on to try to get a real tight time and range. But they're not acting on that in a way that Horizon will. Horizon's getting a value from the CGM from Dexcom every five minutes, and then it's making an insulin dosing decision every five minutes. So every five minutes, a user's doing a unique dose of insulin. It's driving them to a target. That's just something that I think even a power user on dash day. It's going to have a hard time, you know, driving to that result. So I think it's for everybody. I think the use of use and simplicity is going to be great for somebody that hasn't wanted to adopt pod therapy, 
but I think it's flexible enough that a power use will get even better results on Horizon. Are the uh, are targets definable by the user, or is it locked in at 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 some target blood sugar? Yeah, they're defined by the user, and so you can set different targets for you know different situations. But you know, we, we wanted the flexibility to go as low as one ten, so that's the the bottom set point, and as high as one fifty. So and it's increments of ten, so one forty, one fifty, one thirty. And 2110, those are the set points that are user defined. Mm-hmm. And then there's you know, a feature like hypoprotect, where let's say you have a, a child that's going to a sleepover or you're going to be exercising in some extreme way, you can set it to hypoprotect mode, which really kind of ignores that set point and lets you run at a higher rate for a longer period of time. And so, this is you know, that's something that we think is going to be really valuable as well for those certain situations. Okay, so, um, I don't know if this is your space or not. And I, I think I'm asking one of the right people, but you know, dash came out in, I think in the, within the last year and some people are able to grab it. And some people are seem to be having trouble getting covered for it. And what I'm seeing is that that's causing people concern that they're not going to be able to get horizon moving forward. Is there a way to talk about the first, I guess, what, what people should be doing if they want dash and if that has any impact on horizon? Yeah, Let's, I'll, I'll back up as far as I can there because, so, you know, one thing we did with Dash is we, we really wanted to uh, um, start over with, with the way that, that pumps are reimbursed, with the way patients pay for pumps, with the way they're restricted to migrate from one technology to the next. And so, you know this, but um, the, the pump market historically has been a decision that a patient makes. There's a large upfront fee that the payer pays a portion of and then patients pay a portion of. And because of that large upfront fee, the, the payer had locked a patient in for four years to that piece of technology. So that's troublesome. And it's actually, it's not, it, it actually is a counter incentive to innovating and innovating quickly. And so a manufacturer like us actually has an incentive to only release a product every four years because we'll have a large install base that can only adopt that new technology once every four years. And so if we hadn't done that, and just imagine patients that actually did get dash. So we've spent you know, just over a year now of, putting patients on Dash from our legacy Omnipod product, mm-hmm. those patients in the old model would be locked into a four-year warranty period and would not have access to Horizon until they worked through that four-year period. So that, that went away with Dash. But because we did that, we had to renegotiate contracts with payers. And so there are some users that have not been able to get Dash because their payer will not pay for it in that manner. But the one insistence that we made when we launched Dash is that we weren't going to charge these large upfront fees we also want to lock patients into a four-year period. So, so the good news for those patients is whether they got Dash yesterday or still haven't got it, it has no bearing on their ability to get Horizon because the day we launch Horizon, the only thing that matters is will their payer pay for it. And so it doesn't matter if they've had Dash, haven't had Dash, none of that matters because they're going to adopt that new technology because they're not locked in to that four-year period, and we're not going to build a payer for a large upfront fee. Actually, nothing up front. And so that's the good news, but that's been a shift and it's taken us some time to build that access. You know, today we've got over 50% of covered lives that have access in this new model, so we're not charging that fee. But if you're part of the, the, the you know, the 40 or 50% that doesn't, you may have had problems getting on Dash so far, but that's getting better every day. But, you know, the, the way I, I always talk about this, Scott, is it's like cell phones were 20 years ago. You know, when I had AT&T or Verizon, they owned my phone number. 
they locked me into a three-year contract, and I wasn't able to switch regardless of how poor my service was. Right. And that's the pump market today in the durable medical equipment. So we just decided to go away from that. So it'll be easy for patients to get on product, and it's easy for them to get off if we're not doing a good job. That's the, the model that we see. Patients have choice. They have choice on a daily basis. So if I'm going to make a hypothetical here. If I'm a person who can't get Dash at, you know, how, for whatever reason about my insurance, Horizon comes out. Can I just get Horizon and use it with my phone? Or do I have to be able to receive the Dash because of the FDA thing? Like I, I'm saying, are the people who are are somehow blocked right now from Dash, will they also be blocked from Horizon for that reason? Or do you think you'll have that straight by then? Well, it, it- it just depends. But uh, look, we're we're making progress on that every day. What what's likely is that their dash coverage will be pretty closely mirrored by their horizon coverage because they don't have the same payer, right? So pick pick a, a large commercial payer and let's say they, they are paying for dash today, they're they're likely to pay for horizon when it comes out right away, right? And reimbursing that. If they're not for whatever reason because they're holding on to this four year lock in period and this large upfront fee and we haven't been able to convince them that this new model is better for patients and frankly better for payers. Because we assume that risk, we're not charging them for four years of therapy up front, and, and they don't have to hope that, that patients use that product. So if we haven't been able to do that yet, we need to do that between now and Horizon, because it'll be the same model for Horizon. And so, it, it, again, it's, it's a good thing because Horizon will be, we're, we're becoming a software company, right? And so as we innovate through software and through applications, patients should always be able to adopt that newest version of Horizon without having an upfront period, the story or locking period, but we just got to establish that access for them. So you're making um, an improvement and a shift into the, the type of business you're doing because of the improvements in the technology, but the insurance companies are stuck in, in the model they're in. So you, is it a, is it a, yeah, is it a, is it an explanation thing? Do they not understand or are they just resistant? Like, like I'm assuming every day is, frustrating when you're trying to make this work, but is there a path to it eventually, do you think? Well, yeah. And I, I, so let me, let me say one thing. So, you know, when I started with Insulet three years ago, we had been on the market for almost 15 years and we were the worst reimbursed insulin pump on the marketplace at that point in time. And so it, it took us forever to get to, to really good access with our legacy Omnipod today. You know, after just after less than a year of launching Dash, we have better access than we had when I started with Insulet with after 15 years of work. So it's actually happening very quickly, believe it or not. And most of the large payers have adopted it, but there's thousands of payers. There's a lot of small plans. Every state's got their own Medicaid. And so it's just a lot of work. And the story we have to tell, frankly, is that because they're, they're a useful model that pays for pumps in the way that I described, large upfront free fee for your lock-in period. So I have to like, describe to them the value of this new system. And that value really is that we're owning the risk because they only get outcomes which they want, right? And because they, they get health outcomes that they don't, it doesn't cost them very much if the user actually uses Omnipod every day. And so if they don't, because we didn't do a good job with the product, then they stop paying for it. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, with the historical models, they pay for it up front you got to hope that the user uses it. And on top of that, Scott, you know, every patient on average migrate between health plans every two and a half years. Mm-hmm. So why a payer would want to pay for four years of therapy for anything, knowing that on average, that, that patient is going to stay with their health plan for two and a half years. It just doesn't make sense. So once we tell that story, 
it resonates with payers and the adoption is actually very quick. Uh, we just have to we just have to do this. If we if we were the first to market and we were the first insulin pump on the marketplace, this is how reimbursement would have been set up. Payers would have said, I'll pay for what the patient's using and for the benefits that I'm getting, but they stop using it, I want to stop paying for it. Yeah. Nobody would pay for four years of allergy medicine right up front. You know, you get that prescription filled every month and that's what payers want to do. So they're they're migrating and, and actually pretty rapidly. It's it's improving every day. It's just we have to tell the story and reach all those health plans. Right. You know, it's funny, and I'm not known for being great at being like office correct. My wife always tells me if you had an office job, you would just get fired in a week. Uh, but so I'm gonna say this because I have I have like historical you know time with Omnipod. I've been working with them in one way or another for a really long time, and so I've had access and and had impactful conversations with people throughout the years. And what I can say is that from my perspective. Around five years ago, the leadership of Omnipod changed significantly. And I mean through the, the actual people sitting in the positions, but also with the idea of what the company was for. Like there was a time prior to Shacy that I thought this company might sell or even go out of business at some point. Like I used to support Omnipod because I loved it and I, I wanted it to exist for my daughter. And I always felt like, I always just felt like that leadership prior wasn't doing what I would hope they would do as a customer. And it is completely 180 degrees from that now. And it's, it's interesting because I have that perspective. I see how far it's come, how fast it's come and how the, the focus has become something that I'm excited by, but that's not exactly something you can communicate to people as they're coming in and they're seeing, you know, a tandem put their pump out and it looks suddenly like they're ahead when you don't know the whole story. It's, 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 it's an interesting, I don't know if you want to yeah. talk about that, but that's my perspective of it. Well, I'll tell you the, the good thing about being in the state that we were in and you're right that the entire management team, and that's just at the executive level, but you, you're hard pressed to find anybody in info that's been there longer than five years. Uh, the, the good thing about that is this, that, you know, we were in, in such a state at that time with, um, you know, just how we marketed it, the product, how we sold the product, the quality of the product, the the amount that we were spending on R and D, or how little we were spending, frankly, on R and D. You know, when the new management team came in, it was pretty easy to take some risks because we had to at that time. We had to do things dramatically different, and so we've done some things. And the question I get asked so often is, you know, how are you willing to make these bold decisions and take these types of risks? Because frankly, uh, some of them could not have worked out, and and then we'd be in a worse situation. But you know, we we made the decision to move uh, a large portion of our manufacturing from China to the U.S. That's a big decision. We spent over $300 million automating the manufacturing lines. And why that's important is, you know, last year we made over 30 million pods. And so the quality has to be really, really good on those. And we have the opportunity to provide a bad patient experience, a bad user experience every three days. You know, we're, we're, you get a lemon when you buy a car once in a while. You don't buy a car every three days and we're effectively delivering a new pump to a patient every three days it has to be phenomenal quality. So we, we put significant investment in that. We, we decided to disrupt the way uh, the pot is paid for and to, to go to this pharmacy pay-to-go model that where patients don't pay for this large amount up front. They're not locked into a piece of technology for four years. That's a long time. Imagine not being able to upgrade your iPhone software for four years. It, it's silly and it's not the way that it should be done. So that was a bold move. We, as you know, we took our 
um, our business back from our European distributor. So we, we went direct in a really short amount of time in Europe, which enabled us to expand beyond the, the small amount of European countries that we're in today to expand globally. There's just there's been a lot of big things we've done. And finally, we took this, um, what, what was a good product, you know, an Omnipod, and we were manufacturing these PDMs, these controllers uh, with our own proprietary software. And we realized that, look, there are companies out there that make pretty good handhelds. They're called Apple and Samsung and these type of companies. So we moved Omnipod to this mobile platform, which took a lot of time. It was really risky, very expensive. Uh, but it's it set us up now, and, and I appreciate you saying this, but it's really all that work is just kind of coming to a close now, and we haven't seen the results of a lot of it, but it's going to enable us to move really quickly in the future and to innovate very quickly. And, you know, the reason why I think users and patients only have adopted, you know, um, insulin pumps 35% of the time, which is probably the penetration rate of all type 1 patients in the U.S., right. that's, a, that's a dismal penetration rate and usage rate, considering that insulin pumps have been around for 30 years. Yeah. But the technology has not been good enough. No, and no. so you know, if you're willing to give yourself four or five shots a day, uh, that tells me that we just, we just have to do it better. I, um, I couldn't be more excited about where this all is. It's, it's just it's tough for the, for the casual observer to understand the big picture of it. it it's, you know, when, when you tell them, they just nobody wants to hear it. You know what I mean? Like everybody just wants it now and and they don't know they don't know what had to happen. It's not like it's not like it's not like you guys were like, oh, made a bad decision. Like you're making these you're making these amazing moves. I saw the manufacturing floor. Um, you know, I don't know if I ever shared yeah. this on here, but I came up and spoke to employees last year and I was able to I was just there to tell them what Omnipod meant to my family, but I got a tour of the manufacturing and it is incredible. It's just it's it, people would not believe how Omnipods are made. It's it's stunning. Your guys are set up for, you know, I was talking to the gentleman that set the floor up, who I always think I want to interview because he seems so damn interesting. Um, and, uh, and, and he was explaining how, you know, how this setup allows changes to be made without like huge teardowns from the manufacturing. And I was just like, this is this is like state of the art and you, you moved it into the country and, and you have it right there. It's right there. So I don't know. It just makes sense to me. I'm, I'm jacked up. I'm excited. So I, I, I hope I'm excited too. You know, and, and I, I get, I get that it feels like we're not doing enough and not doing it quickly enough. And I, frankly, I, I was there too. When I started with inside, I said, why don't we just put an app on the phone that controls Omnipod? That's easy enough to do, right? Every 14 year old kid in America has got a, a video game on their phone that they built in their garage. And it yep. seems like it should be something pretty easy to do, but this, it's an incredibly complex process. And then, you know, we're, we're, we're really, you know, um, developing software that's going to deliver micro doses of insulin that have to be incredibly accurate because insulin is a fantastic life saving drug that can be deadly if you don't do it right. And so it's, it, it just, there's a lot of scrutiny here and technology has not moved quickly. I will say this, I'll give the FDA a ton of credit because the other, we, we've always had the idea to put an app on a phone and control Omnipod, but nobody ever thought that the FDA would get there and be comfortable with that. So, you know, we, we worked with them very closely to, to get there. I think, um, once we get through these pivotals and if we can get Horizon approved on the marketplace, it's going to solve so many of the, the things that people are asking us for. The number one request we get from a, a, a patient that's still using multiple daily injections is they want an app on their phone. And if they can get an app on their phone, they, they put an Omnipod on and give it a shot. Yeah. If we can get to that, 
we're gonna we're gonna have a tremendous uptick in utilization because we know it's gonna be a tremendous experience for them. No, I, I can't tell you how many years ago it was where Shacey was telling me the very same thing. She's like, listen, we want to put it on a phone. You know, we have to prove it out to the FDA. But it always felt like, yes, we wanted to do it. But we don't, I mean, it seems unlikely they're going to say yes to this. And that that was a handful of years ago. But in FDA terms, it's quick, you know, and, it, and it's a big leap for them. And you can see why, um, especially how you described earlier, like just how pumps have been forever you know, to go from that sort of stagnant system to, hey, it's going to be on your cell phone is a is a major jump. Uh, let me ask you a couple of, of quick hit, quick hitting questions here and see if you um if you have answers. I know you're saying the last half of the year um, and you're a publicly traded company. You can't just give me a day. But do you think you're going to hit in 2020? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we wouldn't be saying it, you know, um, so again, you know, we'll finish enrollment into the, the pivotal trial uh, probably end of um, you know May at the latest. We'll submit to the FDA. Um, we'll get probably thirty to ninety days, and then and then you know it's just a matter of doing some sort of release uh, at the end of the year. And so yes, I do think we'll hit it. Um, and uh, you know, then twenty twenty one will be all about getting as, as many people on. Uh, really the, the best product on the market, which will be Horizon. And so we'll, we'll make sure that we're ready to do that. I'm glad that we've got the time because, you know, to your point earlier, we've got, we've got market access to build further, even though we've made tremendous gains there. We've got supply to build. We've got marketing materials. We've got to make sure we have product support worked out because now, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, uh, patients calling us and saying something's wrong with my system. And we've got to quickly assess it to, you know, the way uh, Dexcom is communicating with Omnipod. Is it, is it, is it, the Omnipod is it the Dexcom, is it something in between? And we just have to be able to serve those patients. So we're adding some complexity here on our end yeah. so that life is simpler for the user. And so we just got to figure all that out. But I'm, I'm excited for it. Could be more excited. I have a follow up for that. But first, um, it, does Canada and Europe happen concurrently or will that take longer? Not concurrently, uh, and the U.S. will be first, and, and really it's just the um, it's the regulatory pathway for each individual country, and then you know languages and units of measure. But we'll, they'll be fast followers, both of them, uh, and uh, but but the U.S. will be first. Can I press you and ask you? Do you think twenty twenty one for Canada and Europe? Um, you can press me. I think you can um, press me, but you don't have to answer. <laughs> I just don't know if I can answer. I guess I don't. I don't think we put that timeline out there. But okay. but I think uh, I think there'll be fast followers. How about I leave it at that? I'll leave it with fast followers. So you just mentioned something that I was going to bring up. Um, so I've seen an algorithm work, and I've been in this the space where I've tried to understand it. And what you just said about support is it, it can't be stated strongly enough. So we. We already live in a space where, you know, and I see it more from the podcast than maybe most people do, but we already live in a space where most endocrinologists struggle to help people who are pumping or using MDI to have the outcomes that they're looking for. And when you're using an algorithm, there are settings to consider. And if you don't have those settings right, the algorithm you know, you, you can't you can't tell a robot that there's a wall eight feet in front of it, but the wall's really four feet in front of it and expect it not to walk into the wall. And so these settings, you know, the parameters you put on it are incredibly important. But moreover, 
the way the algorithm thinks is unlike how most people are accustomed to thinking about diabetes. So the support um, is it's paramount. And I think that it's even more so maybe not just for people's success, but because I truly believe that algorithm-based insulin pumping is what people should be doing moving forward and what they will do and what will be the best for them as far as their outcomes and their health and their stability and the amount of time they have to put into diabetes. But what I've seen is, is that when they try it and it doesn't do what they expect it to do and like it or not, their expectation is set it and forget it, which it's never going to be that right now. Um, If you aren't able to shepherd them through the process, I'm so fearful that this really amazing advancement will will scare people away. And have you guys thought about it in that in those terms? I'm wondering. Uh, yes and, and no. I mean, let me say this. So you're, you're right about you know if it's not if something's not working, and and you know one of the biggest um, challenges we might have is, is patient perception, and they hear automated insulin delivery or artificial pancreas or how it's described to them. And they might think that they don't have to do much. And one day that might be possible because what we have done with the algorithms, we have made it simpler. We're starting to make it, make it so if the parameters aren't set just right, that the algorithm can compensate a little bit for that. And so as the algorithm gets better, as insulin you know, becomes faster acting, we'll be able to get better and better at that. And the goal will be one day to eliminate parameters, right? So that, you know, the reason why physicians have these complicated um, data management systems, and there are a whole bunch of them out there, and they probably have all of them in their office, is because they're looking at these reports, they're trying to see CGM values and insulin doses, and, and then they're trying to you know, fine-tune these parameters. That's a real hard thing to do. Yeah. And it's something that an algorithm should be better at doing in the future. But it's, it's, we're not quite there yet. We haven't eliminated all the knobs and the parameters that need to be set. So we do need to make sure that we train, we're just as diligent in training. You know, this is going to be an incredibly simple system to use. And when we launched Dash, for existing users of Omnipod, we provided online training. Some patients didn't even take that online training because it was so intuitive. But they've been on pump therapy, so they know how important it is to, you know, announce your meals, and they know how important it is to, to set the right basal level. They, they know all these things. Um, but if, we get, if, if the pump gets easier and easier to use, we need to make sure that we're, we're just as diligent in training. So we plan on doing that with Horizon. We do, we do live training um, with our users. We follow up in seven days. We follow up in 30 days. We follow up in 90 days. We just need to make sure that they're just as diligent because if they're not, and they look at this as an opportunity to do a lot less, uh, they're not going to get the, the results that they should be getting, the improved results from Horizon. So it, it, I'm excited about the future. And one day, Scott, I think, I think we will get to the point where uh, we can eliminate a lot of these parameters because the algorithms will get that good and technology will get that good. We're not there today. And so we just got to be very diligent in training and, and make sure that um, we take very seriously you know, what the user has to do, yeah. even though that's a lot easier with Horizon. Isn't it interesting how you're on the cutting edge of something and in its infancy at the same time. It's uh, when you're making a leap yeah. like this, right? It, it's such a, it's a, a weird headspace to be in because you're like, this is better than it's ever been. But with the way technology yeah. grows and leaps <laughs> two years from now, you'll look back at the first algorithm and be like, Oh, <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's fascinating how quickly things move. And right. by the way, that's exciting. It's because- cool. Yeah, because in diabetes, there were no leaps. 
just just five or six, maybe seven years ago. It, it was I, I say it all the time. You get excited if somebody made a new meter. And you'd say, is it more accurate? And they're like, no, but yeah, that's right. it's got a, it's got a color screen, you, you, you know, like in that, and that passes yeah, for excitement. <laughs> so it's, it's just, there's no other time. Like, you know what, what what's interesting is, you know, um, expectations will just keep getting higher with our users and that's okay. We're going to live with that. Right. You know, we, with Dash, we, we, it was a big leap from our legacy Omnipod to Dash. We get, we, we launched this view app right, where a parent can see what's going on with Omnipod from their child to the distance. You know, so you should send your child to sleepover. You get to see what's going on with input on board with Omnipod. But when that doesn't work exactly the way it's supposed to work, people are upset, right? Regardless of the fact that that didn't even exist a year ago, right? So, so that's the way it will be. Is as technology gets better, expectations will just get higher and higher. That's it's great though because you know our mission is to improve the lives of patients living with diabetes, and we will do that through technology we produce. But the expectations will be that that continues to get better over time and well for it. Yeah, I, and I believe it will. I mean, I've 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 got a long enough lens now that I've seen it in the past and. And for everybody who's newer diagnosed or, you know, prone to be a little impatient, I guess, sometimes, and for really good reasons, um, I'm just telling you, like, just hang on. Like, I think Omnipod's moving in the right direction, and they have been for a really long time. This is just, like, another example of that. So um, I, uh, let me ask you, um, do you have to, once your trial's done, do you have to restart for a kid's trial, or is that being done concurrently? So will PEDS be available at launch? So the, the trial is going down to the age of six, so that should be available at launch, and then we will need to to do more clinical work to lower the age uh, below six. So today, you know, Omnipod is um, cradle to grave. It's there's there's no low limit on the age range, and we are the leader in pediatrics. So we also, you know, there's an AID system that's gone down to six today, and so we've um, we were really, you know. Uh, emphasizing that to at least get to six in this clinical trial, but we're going to quickly get below six. We've, we've got um, some data for patients down to the age of two, so we're going to have to get there. Um, but yeah, at launch, to answer your question, it'll be down to the age of six. Huge thanks to Rick and Brett for coming on the show. Rick, of course, from Dexcom and Brett from Omnipod. Another thank you to touchedbytype1.org for their support of the juice box podcast and for what they're doing for people living with type one diabetes. You can check out the Dexcom G six at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box, learn everything you need to know and get yourself a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod at myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. And of course, and of course, touched by type one.org head over, see what they're up to. Now I'm going to put this online, go to sleep, wake up, fly to Atlanta, and tell a room full of people about being bold with insulin. You know who's going to be there with me? Jenny Smith. Today's Jenny's birthday. I'm going to see Jenny the day after her birthday. That's when I'm going to meet her for the first time in person. Isn't that crazy? If I don't look too horrible, I'll take a picture and send it to you. But if I take that picture and I think, "Mm, no... Well, then you're not going to see Jenny on the day after her birthday. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Coming next week, part three of She's Having a Baby. Sam is about ready to burst, and I just talked to her the other day. Things have gotten more difficult as the pregnancy has gone on. She's doing well. 
She's going to come on and tell you all about it. I just remembered she likes being called Samantha, but I don't feel like going back and editing it. So, Samantha. And goodbye. <laughs>